We mispronounce names on this podcast all Constantly. the time. Yeah. Yes. We we do try our best though. Yeah. I don't get it. <laughs> Hi everyone, thanks for tuning in to I Don't Get It. Uh, we are proud to be part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. I'm Fonda, and this week we had uh, we took a special trip down to uh, the Street Fest area where the Varscona Theater um, is mounting the Bad Seed, uh, and I brought in our special guest Colleen Fien to chat about that. So um, without further ado, we're just going to throw to that first. Hi, Colleen. Hi. How's it going? Pretty good. Uh, well, what what did we just see? We saw the Bad Seed um, by Maxwell Anderson, uh, produced by Teatro Quinishina at the Varscona Theater. Yes, it was the it was the opening performance, so nobody knew what was going to happen, and it was a little bit stunning. Yeah, we audibly like it was like one of those times when you're in the audience and the audience audibly goes. <gasps> Yeah, yeah, a couple, couple times, a couple times, yeah. Times, yeah. So, well, um, set us up a little bit here. What is um, what is the premise of The Bad Seed? So The Bad Seed is the story of uh, a young girl and her mother. Um, the, 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 the husband and father has been called away to, to work um, in, in, in a different state. Um, this is set in the, originally set in the 1950s. It was staged by uh, Teatro in the late 80s, and now this is a... Uh, a new staging of it um, today. Um, and it was obviously set sort of in, in a 50s era. That being said, I mean, the themes kind of, you know, I mean, some of the language and some of the, the, the characters are very much 50s based, but it still could be applicable today for sure. Yeah, yeah. To just speak to the era of the play for really quickly, though, um, the costumes were fantastic. Oh, yeah. yeah. Leona Bronson, once again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, we daub our caps to you. Yeah, so. Leona Bronson never fails us. Um, I, I particularly like the costumes for... Um, Kathy for, uh Yeah, Kathy Turkatch has got... So she plays <laughs> sort of like, uh, not a, a nosy neighbor, I guess. <laughs> well, and the comedic relief a little bit. Yes, and- yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, also, um, N- Nicola Elbro's costume, costume, she plays the mother of mm-hmm. um, the young, uh, the daughter. young, young Rhoda, yes. young eight year old Rhoda played by Lila Solimos. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Very sorry about that. But um, a fantastic performance by the young actor as well. Of Matilda fame at the Citadel, I imagine, this year. Oh, yes. That's where we know her from. <laughs> Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so the mother and the daughter are left alone as the father goes away to work. And some interesting things start to happen that the mother notices some potentially disturbing patterns with the daughter and has some causes for concern. Yeah. So right off the top, um, there's there's talk of uh, young Rhoda at school and um, something that happens with, I think it's a spelling competition or there's a... Penmanship. Oh, there's... Yes, you're right. It's penmanship. There's, penmanship. there's a medal for penmanship. Okay, well, that would have to be updated if we did this as a modern play because, you know, the kids aren't learning cursive anymore. But yeah, anyway. It would have to be like a typing contest. <laughs> How many <laughs> words per same. minute? <laughs> Not quite no. not as not as classy no. you know well they would yeah and and in all honesty would they would have to get like an ipad or something as a prize instead of a medal 
Okay. Right. I'm glad we're updating this for the for the young folks. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so um, through the course, let's say of like the first half of the play, what what's really happening? What are we? What are what are the themes that they're starting to cover? Um, well, we have so there's a sort of a dinner party early on in the in the show, and uh, there's the the upstairs neighbor lady comes by with her brother, and there's sort of they start talking about psychology, and so um, so one of the characters is sort of obsessed with Freud and and these sorts of themes, so they're just sort of talking about what would have been I imagine pop psychology in the fifties, and 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 that kind of thing. So you're sort of set up to to start of start think and oh, and then there's another dinner guest who comes who's all talking who's talking all about theories of murder and murderers and, mm-hmm. and yeah there's like there there's a lot of writers in this play who write about murder or murder mysteries or yeah. things like that <laughs> and, and the psychological murderers so mm-hmm. which is sort of interesting with the with the reprisal now of of uh podcasts and and, seri- and netflix series like serial and making a murderer where we're studying these interesting types these people yeah there's a there's a fascination with the mind of a murderer and mm-hmm. in this play it's it's no secret that the child is a murderer. Like, it comes out fairly early. Well, are you sure suspect it fairly early? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, what's interesting is that I think that as an audience member, you suspect it a lot more than most of the people in the show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they subtly drop these hints and you think... Actually, I you know, I think you actually... The, the playwright makes you feel quite smart because you're like, ooh, I picked it out. Ooh, I see the patterns <laughs> coming. Ooh, I, I get it. Yeah. And, and then it's like, oh, okay, everybody else got it too. But yeah, like... Yeah. But you feel smart because you're like, oh, I'm going down the breadcrumbs. Yay. Yum. Mm, yeah. So. Oh, it was the things on the tap shoes. I oh! noticed the tap shoes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So wait, like we don't want to give away too much because they sort of build it like a thriller. Um, but there there is there is humor in in the play. Yes. Um, uh, notably, as we mentioned earlier, through Kathy Durkach, the upstairs neighbor. Yeah. Lady Monica. Monica. Yes. I don't remember her last name. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then and then also um, through um, <laughs> an incredible character turn by Andrea House, playing oh. um, the mother of a boy who has been killed on a on a school field trip. Um, and this happens right in the very like beginning parts of the show, so it's not really spoiling anything to reveal that. Um, there's a child in Rhoda's class who has died. <laughs> uh, but. Um, Andrea House playing the mother of this of this boy. Oh my gosh, just you would never expect a character who's gone through something like that to be quite so funny. It was a remarkable line to tread for an actress. Like she she's both sympathetic but pathetic and funny and like and she just goes on stage and you're like, "Oh, here she is. Oh, I can't wait to see what's going to happen." Yeah. Well, and also she's drunk. In every scene she's in. Like, she's yeah. just, like, stumbling drunk as well. But also heartbroken. Yeah. And there's something odd about that, like, I made it okay to laugh at what she was saying, I guess. But I also still felt uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you feel very uncomfortable throughout most of the show. It's yeah. got a very sort of, like, queasy creep to it. Yeah. Um, even when there is humor or the coy looks that Rhoda gives the audience at every sort of, like like snap of the lights and it's you do feel you're like oh this is like it's kind of am i supposed to laugh at this yeah i mean it's actually quite horrible (laughs) sometimes (laughs) um yeah 
So, well, how did you feel about some of, um, I, I guess, uh, some of the other characters, some of the other performances in the show? Um, so there, so they had the, uh, so there's, so Rhoda's character is this little girl and she's doing her things and she's sort of known for being this perfect, shiny little girl. Um, but she has these really interesting exchanges with, um, the, the, sorry, with, uh, with Matt Busby, who plays uh, Leroy, who's sort of the, the the boy, the cleaning boy in the house or whatever. And he um, he doubles as a different character as well, but they have him sort of dressed up in like big baggy overalls and a big shaggy wig. And he comes in and he's cleaning things. And, and it was an interesting re- relationship as between these two characters, because he's sort of the only one who sees through her a little bit. Yeah, yeah. He's constantly um, in scenes with Rhoda together being like, I know, basically, I know what a monster you are because I'm one too. Sort, sort of, of yeah. yeah and he but he's this big lumbering kind of threatening character and i just and i don't know that we were supposed to necessarily feel that way about him but he's you know alone in a room ostensibly with a little girl and he's saying these nasty nasty things to her and so there's this reaction of like Ooh, mm. i'm uncomfortable <laughs> but then later on i think maybe we were supposed to feel a bit more sympathetic to him so i that was a trickier ploy for me and some things happen to Leroy as the show progresses and and maybe they're yeah I wonder if you're meant to feel a bit more sympathetic when but the setup for the character is kind of this lumbering yeah yeah it felt a little bit awkward just seeing the arc of the show and with what happens with Leroy again not wanting to kind of give it away because it is sort of a big thing in the end um but uh I, I felt like that part kind of didn't quite fall as didn't land as heavy as it could have. Yeah, like there was there were there was a lot of heavy parts to the show that were sort of kind of like given like an immediate sort of like lightness right after by a little bit of a joke yeah. or a nod or something like that. Um yeah, and I don't know, the way that they the way that Leroy was kind of built felt a little different, I guess. And and I yeah. think maybe I feel that way because when um, Christine and her father, Bravo, are talking about... Played by the always wonderful Jeff Haslam. Yes. Um, well, they're talking about... Um, uh, Bravo is there with another writer, Mr. Tesker. Um, and they're, they're talking about this kind of um, profile of profile of an like an evil person and how you know sometimes they seem so perfect Mm -hmm. and there's there's this theme running through especially with Rhoda that she's just this sort of like very perfect young thing nobody suspects that she could be ultimately evil um you know an an actual bad seed but it's there um and i think that maybe that that idea of like evil hiding under perfection um is it was it didn't match with what Leroy would like with how they were how Leroy was being portrayed that's true and interesting in conjunction or like as juxtaposed to our sort of our modern study of murderers and serial killers like especially making a murderer where you see this pathetic man who's had no opportunities who ends up who we study as the serial killer whereas you know in the 1950s we're suspicious of these these perfect you know little girls yeah, perfect little <laughs> girls well that's the thing is that no one is suspicious of them this is why they get away with murder right exactly, right and yeah. and well and yeah maybe the opposite of what i'm trying to say is actually true in that like in 
the way that Leroy actually was portrayed is what we normally would think mm-hmm. um, of someone who's going to be who's going to get cause trouble. So and so the, so for a lot of the show, it's sort of the mother that is working through her suspicions about what's happening with the daughter. And it sort of struck me that, you know, in order for this to take place, you had to remove the father from the entire scenario. And the mother's kind of isolated just mm-hmm. inherently from what's going on. Like she doesn't really get the chance to reach out. She reaches out to her father at one point, but it's, but you sort of see this woman spiraling by herself. And it's sort of, it's just interesting. Like if you're, if you're looking at a play that was written in the 1950s and then being produced in current day, like, you know, why is this poor woman so isolated? And, know, yeah. and you know, if, if her husband was around, would it have been different? Or, you know, it, it, does she play sort of a, I don't know. It, it struck me as like, you know, if this show were produced today, the fact that she's, would she have been so isolated and would that have been effective? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that I, I, you have a good point there because the iso like Christine's isolation um, and the fact that she doesn't have anyone she can talk to about these horrible things she's suspecting mm-hmm. um, causes her own sort of like psychological turmoil. Yeah. Um, and it's, and it's heavy and it's, awful and Nicola Elbro does a great job it was oh, a fantastic yeah. performance um there's but there's also just this sort of like weird side where I felt like some of it was just so over the top yeah you know like so <laughs> like these yes horrible things are happening but it's also just very melodramatic mm-hmm. and that's sort of the style I think of what the show is meant to be right. um which is why there's you know humor in a play about it was it. very 1950s radio sh- like radio program like it was Mm -hmm. like I can imagine sitting you know under a blanket and listening to it on a radio done very well with you know storm things and yeah and so that like that kind of a genre of a like Mm -hmm. I think they maybe actually had that soundtrack play yeah well they they nodded to that right in the first few minutes of the show um uh one of the characters there well they're all in the living room together um, or, and th- one of them turns on the radio to hear the news about this boy who's died for, on right. the school field trip. Right. Um, and so, and then there really is that sort of like, dun, dun, dun. Yeah. there was some it really interesting um, kind of, you know, like little tinkling sounds and things like that. There wasn't too much sound design to the show other than in sort of scene changes. No. Um, but they, but they did, um, they they did have also this kind of offstage piano that would show up oh, yeah. once in a while. And it was like, oh, that's it's creepy bad. because, you know, it's Rhoda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then this like little like little um, riff that would always happen for her when she was doing her glint at the audience. Or it was like, neat, 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 yeah. neat. Yeah. So it was. Yeah, I it was effective. It's sort of like the Dennis the Menace button, but like, but like really sinister. But like in a minor chord. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> totally, totally. Well, I don't. I like. I don't have kids. Um. <laughs> so I, you know, I think that I'm. Most children terrify me anyway. Um. How do you? How did you feel about watching this? Um. As a parent. Oh my gosh! So it seems to be like the the theme of our year, like. The last show we saw was about 19-week abortions. Oh, right. Um, <laughs> was that, yeah, that yeah. was one of the last Yeah, ones. yeah. <laughs> so, um, so this week, so I, um, I'm, I, as I mentioned in the last program, I am now still pregnant, mm-hmm. and I have a two-year-old son, and so... <laughs> watching this program here and so it's like the child dies by drowning earlier on in the show and then you've got murderous children or potentially murderous children (laughs) and so you're sitting there thinking like and and there's this whole discussion as to whether or not it's about 
does nature or nurture sort of cause this? Do they? Do you things? inherit everything from your mother? You know, is one <laughs> yeah, big question, yeah. right? So you know, you're sort of sitting there as a parent, going like, "Oh God, I'm gonna screw everything up," <laughs> or maybe I won't. Maybe we're all doomed anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's a, yeah, sitting there as a parent, it's a little like, "Oh God." <laughs> <laughs> this is exactly why I didn't tell you anything about the show at all before we went in. I said, "Oh yeah, no, it's Teatro. It's gonna." be funny It'll and be full of you know charming charming and whimsy and <sighs> pith <laughs> which interesting because in the in the director's notes when they originally staged this in 1989 they actually thought it was going to be sort of a campy melodramatic um hilarious what did they call it they were enamored with the notion of the whimsical take on the overripe melodrama mm-hmm. and then quickly realized they were dealing with much darker material so um so it's interesting because it's yeah i think they had initially when they had performed this they had expected it to be hilarious and and it's i mean there are hilarious bits to it (laughs) yeah but i don't know that i would call this a hilarious show yeah but i also found myself totally wrapped i um I, i was excited to see where it was going i had all these theories about what i thought and then i was genuinely shocked at where we ended up mm-hmm. and and they sort of keep dropping all these bread crumbs so it was really fun to watch that way yeah you kind of you feel like you're being taken along it it clipped along actually very well for a two two plus hour play yeah. um it didn't feel like that at all no it yeah mm-hmm. it really it really went by quite fast and, and i'm nice. sitting here with a giant tummy so like yeah and even yeah yeah in, the, in those <laughs> tiny first going to seats with no leg room i think oh. when they built the, the new theater there was ac we were grateful yes there was air conditioning thank god there's air conditioning so it's all good (laughs) (laughs) yeah um well so that was the bad seed by maxwell anderson who um incidentally wrote um the private lives of elizabeth and essex one of my favorite betty davis movies it's it's pretty awesome and he wrote all quiet on the western front too which is like classic total classic oh yeah yeah very enjoyable All right. Well, thanks for coming along for the ride, Colleen. Uh, Okay. Next one. No parenting or children. Okay. I promise the next play that we that we do will not have anything to do with (laughs) children of parents. The Well Endowed Podcast is proud to present It Takes a Community, a special series produced by Hunter and Jacqueline Cardinal of Nahayawin. In this series, Hunter sits down with prominent Edmontonians to talk about the communities and people that have helped shape their journeys. In the most recent episode, artist and community builder Nazra Adam discusses finding community on Tumblr, black girl magic, having a supportive mom, and the joy in bringing talented people together. To find out more about the Well Endowed Podcast and Edmonton Community Foundation, work, check out thewellendowedpodcast.com. This episode is brought to you by one of Alberta Podcast Network's member podcasts, Let's Find Out. On July 25th at Mill Creek Cafe, the Let's Find Out book club will convene to discuss J.B. McKinnon's The Once and Future World with host Chris Chang and Phillips. You can also hear about the connections with the book that came up in their most recent podcast episode, Bear Country. To find out more about Let's Find Out and all of APN's member podcasts, visit albertapodcastnetwork.com. All right. Thanks again to Colleen for joining me to see that show. Um, it's great. It's, uh, it's going to be running until... 
what date? It's running until July 27th, so you can catch it until then. Also running until August 4th is Sleuth at the Mayfield Dinner Theater, and um, starting up on July 20th and running to August 11th is Ring of Fire, the music of Johnny Cash at the Citadel Theater. That's part of a new summer experiment that they're doing at the Citadel, so it should be pretty interesting. Also, um, throughout August, um, from the 1st to the 17th, Mercury Opera is presenting a roving production of Carmen. Um, in Edmonton, they're going to be doing Act 1 at the Commodore and Act 2 at Chez Pierre. Uh, and they're also doing a couple of other locations uh, throughout Alberta, in Wayne and in Calgary. So you can visit um, mercuryopera.com to find out more about those shows. Um, yeah, and that's all we got this week for you, everyone. Thanks for listening. Go see some stuff. Bye. I Don't Get It is a member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or check us out on albertapodcastnetwork.com or the CKUA radio app. I Don't Get It is recorded on Treaty 6 territory in Edmonton, Alberta in the Edmonton Community Foundation's podcast studio. Our theme music is Mountain Time by Ghibli, and you can find more of Ghibli's music by going to ghibli.bandcamp.com. I Don't Get It is produced by Andrew Paul, Fonda Mithrush, and Paul Blenov. Sit here thinking about love.